I'm Curious City reporter Adriana Cardona Magiga. I went to the first United Methodist Church at the Chicago Temple in downtown Chicago on a recent Wednesday. There's a memorial service for nearly 300 indigent people who died alone in Cook County and had no one to commemorate their passing. It's a somber yet moving service. During the memorial, the San Sabina Youth Choir fills every empty corner of the church with songs. We've gathered here today to honor indigent residents, the residents whose names will be read momentarily, were once someone's neighbor, family, friend. Cook County President Tony Preckwinkle is there, along with faith leaders. She speaks to about 70 people who are listening quietly from the pews. There are plenty of open seats. I went to this memorial service because we're answering several questions by Curious City listener Chris Ferrigno. In Chicago, there must be hundreds of people who die every year and are, quote, unclaimed, meaning that they have no known next of kin to organize and pay for their final disposition. So Chris wants to know, what becomes of these unclaimed bodies? Who makes funeral arrangements for them or manages the disposition process? Meaning, where are unclaimed bodies taken? And where do they end up after they go through the medical examiner's office? Our question asker Chris lives in Evanston, and he often wonders about the most ethical way to give dignity to individuals who died alone, or those beloved by family and friends who couldn't afford funeral or burial arrangements. To answer Chris's questions, I talked to a number of people whose job includes identifying and finding relatives. I went to the medical examiner's office and the burial site where the remains of unclaimed people are laid to rest. More on that coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Our question asker, Chris Ferrigno, wants to know what's the most ethical way to handle the unclaimed bodies of those who died alone on the streets, of old age, or a drug overdose, and wind up at the medical examiner's office with no one to give them a proper burial. How are they treated? Are all the ethics that are involved in the final disposition, are they accounted for in the city or county or state's protocols. To answer all of Chris's questions, I started at the very end. A burial service held earlier this month for indigent people. 
The word indigent often refers to people who have no money, no one to vouch for them, and don't have anyone with them when they pass on. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. At Mount Olivet Cemetery near Morgan Park on Chicago's far south side, the remains of hundreds of people will soon be laid to rest. About 80 people are scattered silently across the burial site. Three women pray next to a small casket as cemetery workers start burying the body of an infant boy who died alone in January of 2022. He was found dead in a duffel bag outside a fire station on Chicago's north side. He's been named Joseph by the first responders that found him. Um, so that's, that's how we'd like to remember him as, as baby Joseph. Susan Schollenberg is with an organization that provides burials for babies who have been abandoned or left unclaimed. She says the person who left the baby there tried to do the right thing under the Illinois Safe Heaven Law, which allows for a baby to be handed over to someone at a firehouse, police station or hospital within the first 30 days after birth. News reports say that fire station is often unstaffed. And in this case, the infant was left a few steps away from the door under freezing temperatures. On this day, Susan is here to mourn him. It's so important to show them the dignity and respect that their lives had value and meaning, whether it's this little tiny baby or somebody who lived to be much older, that they're still loved and, and their lives are worthy and that God knows who they are and that they're going to be remembered today. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Joseph's small white casket is adorned with flowers and a teddy bear. Susan and the two other women continue praying as the casket is placed on the ground. His body is laid to rest along with the cremated remains of 311 other people who, like Joseph, died alone and without a next of kin to make funeral arrangements for them. Some individuals, including high school students, stand quietly by each burial pit. They place a hand on the wooden box next to each grave until it's time to place it in the ground. So right now I'm essentially acting as a guardian angel for those who uh, passed away without any family members here to mourn for them. That's Julian Gamboa, a senior at Brother Rice High School. Everyone deserves to have somebody there for them. Even if it wasn't there during their actual life, they deserve somebody there for their afterlife. The burial is part of a coordinated effort between several agencies, both private and public, including the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office, which plays a big role in this process. From the beginning of 2021 through June of this year, the Medical Examiner's Office says it offered dignified disposition to about 1,300 residents. At this point, when a body is being buried, they're considered unclaimed. In a few cases, the bodies are not identified, like Joseph, the baby. Other times, the bodies are identified, but no next of kin could be found, or the relatives were unable or unwilling to pay for their final services, including funeral and burial. But how does this process play out? Let's go back to the beginning. I visited the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office on Chicago's near west side. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. 
They investigate deaths that fall under specific categories, including criminal violence, suicide, accidents, and overdoses. I met up with Rebecca Peroni, the Indigent and Family Service Manager, and things were really busy that day. So the space available is limited in this office, especially with 16 caskets to load right now. She helps coordinate what happens to an unclaimed body that arrives at her agency from beginning to end. If it is a medical examiner's case and there's no family that can make arrangements initially, then the body would come here to our office and um, examined by a doctor, cause and manner of death is determined. She says not all the cases that come to the medical examiner's office go through the indigent program. Many people die in their homes, nursing homes, or in the hospital without relatives. But their bodies are not always sent to the medical examiner's office. In some cases, the person left directions in writing, or a state guardian makes arrangements directly with a funeral home. Police departments have the primary responsibility of IDing people and notifying family. If the police can't identify the deceased on the spot from a neighbor, another person in the home, a landlord, or an ID in a wallet, the process of finding out who they are begins immediately. If the police can't identify the person in about 10 days, that's when the medical examiner's office takes over. Police can fingerprint here, and hopefully that gives us a hit right away. Um, if the fingerprints aren't enough and we don't have any information prior to that, we can look at other scientific methods such as dental comparison. But for dental records, Rebecca says she needs to have a rough idea of who the person was. So I couldn't just take your dental images and put that into a database and say, find out who this is. I'd have to ask your family to go to your dental office to get me the x-ray so that we can then compare them to the decedent we have here. If the person is still not identified after that, Rebecca says the office takes DNA samples as a last option. But DNA is something that we can do um, to compare against a relative. And this can be an important step. We have to have DNA before we can bury an unidentified body. So we would get that profile generated. But Rebecca says DNA testing is expensive and it can take time. Right now it would be a lab available to do DNA profiles so that they can be uploaded to the law enforcement databases. That would be the biggest challenge and that has also delayed in getting unidentified decedents buried. If a body is ID'd, the medical examiner's office allows 30 days to find family members. Rebecca says she works with other agencies like the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless and local consulates to locate relatives even if they're not in Chicago or the United States. And I'll reach out to the consulate and I'll make contact to see, can you assist in locating somebody um, overseas or in the other country? And if they're not able to, then we would still cremate. And later on, if family's located, they still have the opportunity to pick up the cremated remains. Some names are uploaded into what's called the Virtual Cemetery for Unclaimed Bodies on the Medical Examiner's website. The website also has a separate database for unidentified bodies. Some include pictures or sketches of the deceased. When bodies are cremated, the remains stay at the medical examiner's office for about a year before they're buried. There's a similar time frame for unidentified bodies. I'd say at least a year that we would have an unidentified decedent here. Um, it could be longer. 
during that time unidentified we don't do anything to besides hold and hopefully identify and examine for cause and manner of death we don't send them anywhere else they're our responsibility and that doctor would put a hold on that body so we cannot release it to anybody Rebecca says unidentified bodies are buried intact Overall, opioid overdose is one of the most common causes of death seen at the medical examiner's office. In 2022 alone, there were close to 2,000 deaths. That's twice the number of homicides. In these cases, the cause of death is usually determined within 90 days. The timeline has a lot to do with the testing that's sent out for toxicology. So an overdose death, I wouldn't necessarily know right away. I wouldn't know maybe until months later when a family called me and wanted to pick up the cremated remains, would I know that it was then an overdose, and that's how it was ruled. Rebecca says in overdose cases, many relatives are often prepared to receive the worst news any time. I notice when I work with families that their loved one may have overdosed, they are probably expecting this call and uh, not necessarily all the time surprised that I'm calling to say so-and-so has passed away, um, that they were estranged for some time because of the lifestyle they were living, and they expected us to call one way or another um, because something had happened. And that I get a lot of times on the phone. Down in the basement of the medical examiner's office, a group of students from Warsham College of Mortuary Science are preparing 16 caskets. Each casket has dividers inside so that the cremated remains of 20 people can fit. They're hard at work making sure every single individual is accounted for. So what the students are doing right now is we are just making sure we have the identification tags for all the cremated remains so that I can adhere them to the outside of the caskets. Um, they're putting them in the correct order within the casket so that the cemetery can locate them later on if they need to. They are the last people touching these remains before they are buried at Mount Olivet Cemetery. If relatives come forward and want to know the location of the cremated remains once they are underground, the cemetery has the GPS coordinates of the plot. Family members can visit or pay to get their remains removed. So it's a big job and it's really important to make sure that they're putting them in exactly the right place so that the cemetery can locate them later on. Rebecca has been doing this work for eight years. Her job is hard. She says notifying families is never easy. It's always a conversation that I don't enjoy having and I have to be prepared with not only good information to give the families and ways to move forward, um, but just be a comforting ear and person to listen to as well. But there are other aspects of her job that she enjoys. I like the investigative part of it, trying to find the families um, so that they can be notified and then also working with them to get the cremated remains at the end. Being able to work with the families full circle, you know, first contact with them, notification to meeting with them three months later to give their loved ones cremated remains to them. It's a thing that not a lot of people get to be a part of. And I really like that part of this job is being able, being able to help the families. 
This year, the agency has hired grief counselors who help Rebecca notify families, offer mental health support, and other services beyond identification and cremation. This compassionate approach to burying unclaimed bodies in Cook County has been taking shape in the last 10 years with the involvement of organizations that have stepped in to help remember those who died alone. More on this coordinated effort coming up after the break. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Back in 2012, things were not going well at the Cook County morgue. News reports revealed a backlog of bodies, employees complaining of inhumane, overcrowded, and unsanitary conditions. Dr. Nancy Jones will leave her job at the end of July, and Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle says she fired five other workers. A whistleblower took photographs of the grisly scene to the media. They showed bodies wrapped in blue tarps stacked on top of one another along a wall and blood and other fluids pooling on the floor. The medical examiner's office was even accused of losing track of bodies. That changed after a new county ordinance was passed in 2013. It allowed for the cremation of unclaimed bodies as opposed to burying them intact. Since then, the medical examiner's office, along with other agencies, have been working to make improvements. Rebecca says her office has a more structured way to identify, track, and dispose of unclaimed bodies efficiently while still giving each body a dignified burial. But the office was hit hard during the COVID-19 pandemic. It was very overwhelming in the beginning because there were a lot of questions of what is happening. Everybody basically in this office had to continue working. You couldn't stop because we were directly working with the people who were experiencing COVID on every level. As far as number-wise, absolutely impacted the number of cremations that we did and the number of decedents that we accepted in this office. For example, the number of cremations doubled to more than 500 from 2019 to 2020. She says indigent cremations increased, mostly because families lost their income and couldn't afford a funeral. The cost of a funeral and burial can easily run around $7,500. Cremations are cheaper at about $850. But even that amount is hard to come by for people having a tough time financially. So I did cremate quite a few people that were experiencing that. And it wasn't necessarily the people that passed from COVID directly. A spokesperson for the medical examiner's office says, on average, the agency spends about $400 to prepare an unclaimed body for burial, including cremation and administrative cost. The cost of identification is much higher and varies widely depending on the resources utilized. In the last 37 years, 
A group of faith leaders has been holding a memorial service once a year at the First United Methodist Church at Chicago Temple in the Loop. The memorial is organized in partnership with several religious groups. Kim Nicole Davis, Isam Gates. During the service, the names of people whose bodies remain unclaimed are read aloud. Every year we have remembered them and it's critical for the city to be reminded that all of us are responsible one for the other. Nissan Chavkin is with the Interfaith Planning Committee that organizes the service. He also leads the Council of Religious Leaders of Metropolitan Chicago. He says, back in 1986, W. Earl Lewis, who worked as a doorman in Chicago, organized the first memorial observance. Lewis was shocked when he learned about the burial of indigent people in mass graves. And he felt it was very important, as we said during the service, to remember people who, who don't have anyone to bury them, that the, the county buries them, which means all of us, taxpayers of Cook County, bury them. Uh, and people aren't just, it's not an empty box you throw away. People are people, and they deserve respect and to be remembered. Taking care of someone when they die, after they are gone, and burying them properly is is a great gift in my tradition. Anyway, it's uh, called Gmilut Chasidim. It's it's something that nobody can repay you for. Nissan is at the service with Reverend Brian Smith from the Chicago Theological Seminary. I am struck each and every year by how many names we call. During the time of COVID, it was almost double that amount. This has become a sacred day for me, one that I uh, treat as, uh, one, as if I was doing my own congregation's uh, funeral. Reverend Smith says he has prayed at the bedside of individuals who have no visitors, and it's tragic to see people dying with no one to comfort them. He says more needs to be done to assist the unhoused and the poor. We've got to develop other ways of dealing with our social challenges. If housing is an issue, we need to invest in that sector. But there are also other issues uh, with respect to health and education and equity uh, generally in terms of how we do business in this city. So uh, a general sense of equity and uh, a sense of neighborly love is absolutely necessary. Back at the burial site in Mount Olivet Cemetery, Cook County government officials and people representing other groups and religious organizations are there to honor and accompany those who died alone. Some students from Warsham College are there too. They helped box and tag the cremated remains. I talked to two of them during the burial service. They said they've learned a lot and they're both honored to have witnessed this process. Just who handles this? You know, who, who is the last person to take care of? Um, how they're handled, mm -hmm. you know, how they're handled. They're handled the with process, respect. Yeah. yeah. The whole process that, I mean, even people who are unidentified um, eventually get care, you know, by somebody. Um, they're not forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just learned that um, I'm in the right career that I like what I do. I like being able to um, experience and be able to help 
in any way that I can, even if it's just a little way, you know, um, organizing the cremains. Um, so just any part of the process is... Moving back to the communion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whichever way we can. Even years after the death, families can check the medical examiner's database. They can also just call. If the office buried their loved ones, they can locate the remains and visit their burial site. And as for Chris Farina's questions, the people involved in this process say they are invested in making sure each individual is cared for and laid to rest with dignity and respect. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Deso. Maggie Civit is the digital and engagement producer. Marie Mendoza is our podcast fellow. And Susie is our editor. I'm Adriana Cardona Magigar. Thanks for listening. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.